0: The study of the data is rather important. The whole notion of the last time. Do you know if you see a very Dala Gai Haim, B. Sakai Bahi Hai, Enelatanamenta Redio, Bara Mem Eka Andalana, Apake Safa 24 Gante sandita Liva Prasarana Vora Rahasyamaya Yatra, Dota Coma Para Isa Masia Ki Sixom Ki Lai Eka Rahasyamaya Dristakona Hai.
1: Oh, you're the oddballs (laughs) with that odd time. This is Mystic Guide on Enlightenment Radio. (coughs) Today, turn your Bibles, take your Bibles, and turn to Matthew 28, chapter 28. That's going to be our teaching called... remember, it's from right in front of me. Take it, Bible. Tonight, we're going to do a little unpacking, dissecting, and rightly dividing the word to get to the point and the truth. And the enlightenment is, after all, when we receive understanding, we have enlightenment. Tonight's teaching, I've titled, What's in a Name? What is in a Name? What's in your name? How did you get your name? What do you think about your name? I've always liked my name, Michael. My first name is William. I don't like it. So I don't use it. my dad's name. Anyway, don't let me get distracted. It's 28 degrees outside here, Fayetteville, Georgia. I chose that title because I sat down many years ago at least 25 years ago, and scribbled some notes, and I mean scribbled. This, this is on yellow pad paper in pencil, and that's how I, how organized I was. Then I guess uh, we didn't have a, you know I, we didn't have iPhones with apps and stuff to store stuff, but that was actually when I wrote my first teaching. And I was very proud of it. And I said, you know what? I think I'm a writer. I enjoyed it. It's fulfilling. Well, I chose that title because I sat down many years ago, at least 25 years ago, scribbled some notes as I went along. Nothing fancy, just notes. It was all concerning verse 28, 19, Matthew. So actually... I may have started, I have no idea, probably earlier in the 80s. I just don't. But back then, there was a lot of controversy over a book that came out in about 1972 titled Jesus Christ is Not God. Oh, my. Did it stir the beehive, the religious beehive's Because there were, you know, today you can find at least hundreds of books, stories, that are anti trinitarian But back then, there were none. I don't don't think there was a book. There were some older books written around the turn of the century. A couple of them I know. I'm aware of. But this book was bold, yellow, book cover, Jesus Christ is not God. And boy, did that rattle the religious world. Nobody had dared to be that blunt about the hoax of the Trinity. It was written by Victor Paul Weirwill, and it was after that book came out that his ministry, The Way International, was labeled a cult and heretics. Well, I thought... We're among good company. Jesus Christ and his followers were called heretics. So, so was Paul and his followers. So, you know, they always want to demagogue you. The funny thing is when Robbie had asked me the other day, what is the title of Tea Party teaching? And a message, I said kindly, a message, what's in a word? What's in a word? I didn't even remember the title. What's in a word? I forgot the title, and I went back to. It. I said, Robbie, it's what's in a name," and then I proceeded to give the verse. Understand, make more sense once he gets it again. He did a beautiful job of creating the graphic and the content or the context of the title. Let me read what I wrote. (laughs) Actually, what he did was he has a picture of Jesus Christ holding a cross and his two fingers up. And then there's a, the light is coming down, the halos and all of that, the old religious stuff. Very Catholic looking. (laughs) And uh, I think he had a, what, what's that sense of humor you have where you're kind of getting uh, getting back? Not getting back, just getting—having fun with it. And then there's a godlike, fatherly, old man figure, I think. So Robbie was being kind of cute here and made his look overly religious and like it's ingrained in all man-made religion, which it is. <laughs> That's what this picture depicts. So he's titled That Tea Party. Oh, with us decoding the invocation in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is where we are starting tonight. Let me, I looked up invocation. Robbie has a bigger vocabulary than I do. He articulates very well. So I took the liberty of looking up the definition of invocation. Invocation. So he says here, decoding the invocation. That's cool. That's real cool, Robbie. Uh, it means the action of invoking something or someone for assistance or as an authority, the invocation of new disciples and methodologies the summoning of a deity oh. <laughs> or the supernatural his invocation of the ancient mystical powers everybody just hold out your hands and call out for the mystical powers well there are mystical powers there are that's why they call me mystic guide i can go find a vortex i I sense them. I'm, I can find a vortex. If I'm in meditation mode, I can feel them. i go, go to a vortex like uh, they're in Sedona. There's a, They're in a the desert a lot in the prairies. And the vortex, when you find it, you just sit down, meditate a little, and you just a feeling of well-being overcomes you. Just a f- strong feeling of well-being. It's, a, it's an electromagnetic field shaped like a like a funnel. Uh, the other one is the incantation used to invoke a deity or the supernatural. Well, everybody wants power. You know that? That's why they go to Marvel movies. Now, let me start. Now, if I were to have it my way, I would just say, well... This verse was never used. It was never carried out. None of the apostles, none of the disciples, nowhere in the scripture is that ever spoken that way in that order again. And then I would just go home and let it go. <laughs> but that's not how I roll. You know, I do the research. I do the work. You got to have some evidence some proof for these many Trinitarian There's no power in that there's no power in that triune name because it's a forgery. For one thing, I just thought I'd open up with that. It was added to the word in about the 4th century. Some claim earlier, I don't know how, the journey itself was not formulated solidified until the Council of Constantinople in 381, one of those Catholic councils. It was by the uh, emperor of the time, Theodosius. I have a book called 381. And Emperor Theodosius, and you didn't believe that trinity, man-made as it was written as it was, you could... Be excommunicated if you didn't believe in the Trinity the way this council wrote it out and and when you read it it does it it's another language they have their own language um, you could be tortured you could be killed you could be in- incarcerated so naturally by the time Hello. the bishops and the Pope wannabes got together in there at the council of constantinople i think that's in turkey and that had no choice but to vote yes there is a trinity <laughs> at that time it was the official doctrine of the church and it wasn't long before the doctrine became the base of the <laughs> religion
0: <laughs> and
1: it <laughs> is replaced christian religion with the trinity <laughs> i no longer call the trinity a doctrine that's a cop-out It's a full-fledged religion with about 2 billion followers. So let's quit the doctrine double talk because it's not a doctrine. Every church in the world that has crosses and trees and three windows and three doors, the architecture looks like a Trinitarian, everything is three, you know, and in their statement of faith, their beliefs, websites, they all quote these uh, councils and their wording of Trinity. We believe in this, so they're Trinitarians. They just need—they just won't say it. They won't admit it. But that's not what we do here. We had a lot of research and everything, even one word research, the Greek. At one time, we had, had in, uh, the ministry I began with had an expert Greek manuscript reader, Walter Cummins. He was excellent at, he would go over to Germany where these manuscripts were, the only existing Manuscripts and the oldest ones or the earliest ones are still, I think, are still fourth century. So he'd go over there and they keep it on microfish and I don't know what they keep it on now. And he would uh, go over there as Dr. Weirwall's assistant and verify certain texts that he wanted to know about. So the question is because the Trinity is really held together like glue by this verse. That's what it is. This verse is their mantra, okay? And they do that little hand thing across their chest. I mean, it is the name of the Father and the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost, King James language. And by the time you know these scribes, all they have to do is just write it in. (coughs) So outside of the obvious that the verse was never repeated again, we need to go into some areas of why that verse is so ingrained in the mind of these religious zealots. Not a word. Ingrained is not the word. They're blinded by it. Totally blinded by it look at it their egos are so big these theologians <laughs> i'm talking about top brass not the churchgoers every sunday the families and stuff they have no clue as to what the trinity is really what the church teaches they just follow like sheep but i started to say the top brass Their egos are so big that it creates a shadow that keeps sunlight from getting to their heart. How's that for an original thought? That's really the only way you can describe how the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees could not hear. They could not see. Jesus was frustrated. Why can't you hear me, he'd say. He'd yell it. Why can't you hear me? I just told you, he said. I remember that. They kept asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? I am. That's what that verse, I am, means. I am the Messiah. Before Abraham was, that verse about the coming Messiah was written. That's what it's about. He's talking about the foreknowledge, the foretelling that God wrote down. He was... Before Abraham, I am the Messiah. That's the burning question in John, not is he God? Someday I'll do a teaching on that. Why can't you hear me, he said. Because he did tell him he was the Messiah. And the word was getting around. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees said he claims to be God. I go, so what? They got everything else wrong. So what does, what does that matter, that they said he claimed to be God or claimed he was God, and we're going to, and the same, some scribes and Pharisees are all running this dog and pony show called Christianity back then. Well, it wasn't Christianity until he raised, raised from the dead and the word spread. Matthew 24 says, Jesus was talking about the end times, you know. All these uh, pastors, they try to blend Matthew 24 and Revelations like we're in the middle of it now. Can't be possible. Won't happen till after the gathering or the... After the gathering, the rapture, Matthew says, or Jesus said, in the end is near, the end there would be false Christ. Well, we didn't even have to get to the end that there's false Christians. That also is what the phrase really means, okay? There will be false Christian or Christ followers now this, uh, let us go to the second phase of this teaching what i mostly be doing is just giving you scripture and evidence in conclusion is that it's a forgery and was added many years later this can be calculated by other uh, writings history and scripture So that's what we're going to do. We're going to give us a sample. Nothing complicated about this verse. It really isn't. I mean, it just stands out like a sore thumb. It's the biggest lie, and it's the biggest hoax that has been created for the entire world since the beginning of time. You can quote me on that. There are two things to stand before that verse and after the verse. He says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So Jesus Christ was empowered. And well, we know God is all powerful. So he turned over his power to Jesus Christ because he obeyed him, he obeyed his Father. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Remember, so he rewarded Jesus Christ and empowered him, and he, Jesus Christ is in us, which is the mystery, and empowered us. So that before that, it says, all power is in the name Jesus Christ. It's not in that Trinitarian formula. The power is in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't ha- And don't say Jesus without the Christ. There's no power in just Jesus. Jesus was a man. Jesus Christ is a glorified, ascended, enlightened one. He poured out the gift of Holy Spirit. He gave gifts unto men. Pastors, teachers, so forth, prophets. I'm going to magnify the point that God's vocabulary is always Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ, Christ the Lord or Lord Jesus or Lord Christ, but never Jesus only. One time I I've, I've found it, and I think I'll go over it today. So I'll get to that uh, other thing in a minute. Then after that, we have something we can work with. But before I get to that, let me just throw out the baby with the (laughs) bathwater. Did I write that? So to speak, when he said baptizing them, he said baptizing them, there's no water involved here. We know that from... teachings. I hope you got that by now. (laughs) Water is all watered up, watered down word. Do you put water and you're watering it down? You're watering the word down. There's no water baptism after the day of Pentecost. I refer you to two podcasts currently with Spotify or Amazon that I gave a teaching on the difference between the spiritual baptism and water baptism. Water baptism is John's baptism. And where did he baptize people with water? In the Jordan River. Because why? There's lots of water there. <laughs> uh, there's no water around the temple. Little pond. So, and it also said he uh, baptized everyone. By the time his ministry was done, he got Captured and put in prison by the ruler of Israel, Jerusalem, I mean. And he had baptized everyone, even some Gentiles. So there was no one left to baptize with water. So why would they go around a second time baptizing with water? I know they do that today. There's some people that go up for the tenth. Altar call for another baptism. <laughs> they just they just can't. I don't know. I just got, I don't know. Am I really saved? I better go up again. Get the little sprinkle on me. So Jesus is not referring to water. Remember, John baptized with water, but I truly baptize you with Holy Spirit. Small H, small s. In the Greek, it's pneuma hagion. Hagion is holy, new is spirit. I think it's also translated breath sometimes. Small s, and there's no article v. So that's how you differentiate between the Holy Spirit that is God, or God is holy, he is spirit. And that's a big H and a big S. And you can put an article D, depending on what the Greeks is. And it refers to the power or the acts of God in manifestation. God is holy and God is spirit, and he gives us this manifestation. There's a gift. It's an it. It's not a person. Yeah. I, and I know it's Christ in you. Whatever the scriptures say for the. The Lord is that spirit. So we're not being contradicting because it says the Lord is that spirit. But was we'll stand out in the second part after the verse, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Okay? He says that after that. I am with you always until the end. The apostles, you notice, and I mean notice, it stands out like a sore thumb that they did everything, every detail. They did every word that Jesus Christ commanded them to do. Remember he said, "Tarry in Jerusalem, till I be endued with power from on high? He did, they did everything he commanded them. okay so that's the point why why did they not ever carry it out if they were carrying everything else out he commanded? They were very obedient. they wanted to get it right. They kept blowing it when he was here so when he was alive. so let's look at a few of those verses that day were oh, that they were obedient to but didn't say in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to go to those notes on my yellow paper, <laughs> tablet paper, that I scribbled on. It's amazing that I'm teaching this, that I wrote down that long ago. Said someday I'm going to do... So I, I would never throw it away. I never throw my notes away. They're, they're like little jewels. I say, oh, my gosh. Keep notes in your Bible. You know what's the most learning experience is um, transformation, or I call it uh, you know, transcri- the, a verse that connects to another verse. There's a word for that. That escapes me. Darn covid I can't think of what it is. I will though. What's that? I am Lord. I know you told me to do this long time ago. I think. Okay. So, David. I know you told me to do this a lot. I think I'm talking about Mark 16, 17 in my book, Christ in Mystery. Just to be simple. Okay. Mark, I call it Mark sixty because it wraps all of those words into a summary. It's a foundational verse for our movement. We are a movement, right? We're not a church. We're not a congregation. We're a movement. We're over the target, really over the target. I mean, I don't, family members, when I came out publicly instead of keeping it in the back of my belief system only to get across everything else that needed to be taught without being interrupted by being called a heretic non-believer because I don't believe in the Trinity. So I just held it back, kept it on the shelf in order to get all the other truth. And then finally, God said, Okay, it's time to go. But give them them hell. The Trinity, and I've never been doing it for a long time, but maybe five years, and what I did, sure, family members, associates, fellowship, dropped off on the radar. And never my cousins, my family, they gave me what you would call backbiting and warning when uh, I knew I was a follower of the way, they were already sending me letters and stuff. The word says basically not to associate yourself with them anyway. And Revelation says do not drink from their cup. It's called the whore of Babylon in Revelation. So... I'm not superstitious either, but I think there's something going on there. If you drink communion from those Trinitarians, that says says so in Revelations. Why would I say do not drink from their cup? I'm not going to question it. I'm just not going to do it. I do not know anybody who could go to a Catholic church in the first place of dark, darken those doors of those pedophiles and child molesters. How, how, how do they? They're culpable. How do they account for what they give them money and sit there in their pews? There's a group out there called Recovering Catholics, and they're proud of it. They got out of it, of that giant cult. Do you ever notice their talk show... The talk shows know it, and yes, I know I run a talk show, and I'm not that humble. <laughs> I'm humbled by the fact that we love each other, and enlightenment has touched your hearts. But I'm not humble in most areas. I'm kind of got to be when you get at my age pretty firm and spoken about your beliefs. We're in that time, we're in that age, you got to speak out. You can't hold it back anymore. There's no turning back. I have another teaching in my book, Kingdom Reign, or Kingdom. We're all going to reign in a kingdom for rewards if we are good little boys and girls. No, it's not our behavior. It's how we rightly divide the word. There's a verse that says we are justified by how we rightly divine the word. I don't mean grand be- mean behavior. Just obey the word. Remember Jesus said just believe in my father. Know <laughs> this certain place out I believe it's in John where Jesus says he teaches this one thing to believe something but who teaches it is worse off Than if you're just believing the Trinity, he he almost compared teachers of. Well, the Trinity didn't actually exist then, but he said people who teach in the perverted word that they're marked. I love the part of the four gospels that sums it all up in a few verses. And I just combine it and say Mark 16 uh yeah 16:7. 6:17. 7. I got it. We'll begin this again with Mark 16 4 Afterward he appeared to the 11 because they hadn't replaced Judas. They sent me and upgraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, he said, because they believed not them who had seen him after he was risen. And he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature or creation or created person. Next, he says, he believes... He who believes and is baptized, born again, spiritual, not water. He says, but he says, I can't read my own writing. Anyway, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, he says, something different. I know I'm referring to Philippians in a moment. Philippians, anyway, let's talk about these signs in my name. Cast out devils, that's something pretty new. Jesus started that. uh, Speaking in tongues, they shall take up serpents and they drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover well. Well, this is how I teach this verse in my book. See, that's a lot of confusion there. I summarize it like a writer, like an editor. It's just condense it down to its least common denominator so it's more powerful, more concise in my book. I say, Mark sixteen seventeen says, go, baptizing them in my name, and anyone who believes the word is saved. And I leave out the part about being damned. I don't even go there, or I edit it out, because most people don't know what it means to <laughs> So I continue. Just know that if you believe you're born again, they shall speak in tongues, cast out devils, and heal the sick. See how concise that is? That's how I say Mark 16, 17. I wrap it up like that. It's all up one smooth flowing verse, and that's what the apostles did. They carried it out in the name. Now, let me read you something when I looked up. Duck, duck, go. (laughs) I searched what does it mean there's power in the name of Jesus Christ I hope I left that open I looked it up it said ESV uh, I apologize I think I closed it out or did I let me look down here it was so <coughs> theological. um I can go here. You forgive my flaws, right? Let me close my music. That was yesterday. Boy, we had a good time yesterday, didn't we? We uh, hit some records. <laughs> uh, history. Okay, so... I've been all over the place this morning. I'm trying to find the version of what's in a name or the power in the name of Jesus. And they kind of made it sound, oh, here it is, okay, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ, let's see if it's the same one, there it is, what does it mean, what does it mean that there is power in the name of Jesus, what does that mean? Jesus is the most powerful name there is. Look how they translate this. God gave Jesus the name that is above every name, Philippians 2.9. That's true. Why is this name so powerful? It is because of the sacrifice he made through living a perfect life, dying in a sinner's death and being resurrected. Jesus made a way for all of humanity to be saved and made right with God. That's true and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's in Romans. That's simple, isn't it? The literal name, Jesus, is not inherently powerful. It is powerful because of Jesus Christ, the person, God incarnate. Oh, they had it good up until that, that part. Here we go. Who made a way for our salvation? When we talk about the name of Jesus, we are talking about Jesus himself, his character, and the things he does. So, this is the uh, ESV version. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, God gave him the most powerful name there is. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That's true. So that uh, at the name of Jesus, now this is the one verse where I see Jesus only. I don't understand it. Maybe they dropped it. I don't know. But at the name of Jesus Christ, in my vocabulary, every knee should bow Uh, In heaven and on earth and under the earth, (laughs) put a bunch of cave people down there, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, every version translate that, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Romans. They don't translate it that way. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, King James. Every other version says, Confess that Jesus is Lord, but that's not what it says. We confess the Lord Jesus because he replaced our sins and our guilt. They think that it means Jesus. If you look at the Amplified Version and a few others, it Confess with thy mouth that Jesus is God. So that's how they twist it, and that's how you have to believe and get saved is to believe that Jesus is God, and then you have to believe in the Trinity and then all that other nonsense. The name of Jesus compels us to worship him. No, it doesn't. We worship God through Jesus Christ. Each person will one day face-to-face Jesus and confess that he is Lord, and they mean God. His name will not be powerful in that trinitarian thing. There's no power and efficacy in that. There really isn't. I got my super screen over here. I'll be right back. The spice expands
0: consciousness. expands consciousness the music you're listening to is coming from enlightenment radio sound waves that lift your consciousness enhance your mood and transcends time and space visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com where you'll be guided each level of transformation to become an enlightened one
1: I'm trying to say something here in the chat room. It's just a little a little bit below my text line. Darn it. I want to bond with you guys. Ah, I just deleted another tab. Come on. Well, I bonded with you earlier. Thank you for joining the chat room, believers. If you have any questions, you let me know. And uh, pay me a dollar, and I'll answer them. <laughs> you know, you go to those sites, and you ask a question. You want a question, for a, a legal question? Then you, you end up with some group that charges you <laughs> to find you a lawyer. OK. And next thing you know, your phone's calling you off the hook. Where? in Philippians, we're going to go to another point. Yeah, there's nothing there. So let's go to the left. How does that work? Oh, I got to double click it. And one point about Mark 16, 17, I forgot to point out. Chapter 16, so then after the Lord has spoken and he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. What a beautiful thing. The Lord did for his obedient disciples and apostles. So so people wouldn't mock them that they wouldn't laugh because, wow, these signs, people are getting healed, they're speaking in tongues, and they're casting out devils, confirming the word. He gave them signs, confirming the word spoken, so he had their back, so to speak. I just spoke the word, and that person was speaking in tongues, confirms what I'm preaching is truth. That's what it is. The evidence that what you're speaking is truth when you experience. I call my teaching or my our movement an experiential movement. We experience God. We don't look at him from afar. He's in our breath. He's as close to us as your breath. They, uh, We are the abode of jesus christ and his father we are their abode i so i say (laughs) confirms what i'm preaching is the truth that jesus christ was raised from among the dead and you get that i'd like to come over there to india this is my sign i'd like to do i've always dreamed of this i've dreamed of two things i've dreamed of walking in a hospital and just clearing it out healing everybody a young believer so why not and I'd like to come over to India and give a big sign like walking across the Ganges (laughs) who is this man who's walking across the Ganges you don't think we did a few (coughs) followers after that like a one million the reporters and the journalists what would they say They'd hide it. What would the Catholics do? <laughs> the cameras, they wouldn't publish it. Catholics, crucify him again. I think that'd be a hoop. I've always wanted to walk on water. But who do I think I am? Jesus Christ in me? Oh, I have written a screenplay about a prophet and a faithful Christian named William Branham, who was probably the greatest faith healer I've ever read about, I hope to make a movie about his ministry. There were signs following him, and there was foretelling him, too, of the great Ohio flood in Jefferson, Indiana. An angel was standing in the middle of the street holding a yardstick sign of how high the water was going to get. That was quite a vision. Jesus Christ (coughs) was working with him Working means energizing. I open the story by saying William Branham walked into two worlds at the same time, the material world and the spiritual world. And we can do that, too, if we listen and be still. He saw things, and people next to him couldn't say he heard things from God that People couldn't hear because God calling him. He was a boy, and God would talk to him from a, a whirlwind out of the top of a tree. That's why I titled it Behold the Whirlwind. He got scared William <laughs> Brandon, it scared him as a child, and he took off for Arizona. Isn't that funny? Who else... In the Bible, you know, ran from God. Didn't Gideon or somebody? So John 14, 26, this is, uh, we're finalizing. We're coming around the bend to the finish line. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, I just think that's funny, Holy Ghost. They still say that here in the South. The Father will send in my name. He shall teach you. We're talking about the gift of Holy Spirit. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have sent unto you and bring understanding. Well, there's another verse. 10 and 11 after Peter. uh, Yeah, Acts 10 (laughs) says Acts Acts 10 and 11, where he—remember, he went to the house of Cornelius, spoke the word to the Gentiles. He was nervous. He brought some friends with him, some believers, just to have his back. So Peter went down to tell the Jews in Jerusalem, the leaders, James and the boys, what had happened at the house of the Gentiles of Cornelius, because Gentiles were, weren't so uh, appreciated by the Jews how they got born again, just as the apostles had spoken in tongues. But Peter says, then, remember, Peter says, well, who can refuse water? Who can refuse baptizing? But he says, then I remembered when I was about to baptize them, what the Lord said, you should be baptized in Holy Spirit. So there's another experience of the gift of Holy Spirit bringing to us what we need to know and remember, he was remembering what Jesus Christ said. John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized in Holy Spirit not many days hence. So until the day which uh, he was taken up, he, through Holy Spirit, had given commandments unto the apostles, right, whom he had chosen. So we can conclude and include just from the word alone that this verse is an apparent contradiction or is a contradiction of that what Jesus Christ taught and commanded. Okay? It's that simple. Now I'm going to read one thing from the original book that caused all the stir back in the 70s. Uh... Yeah, here it is. Now there are hunt get away.
0: Okay.
1: I'm sorry for the interruption. Okay. Okay, so they were just like the uh, the anti-Trinitarian books and ministries around the world. Things have changed, but Jesus Christ is not God rocked the religious community, and they were just like the religious leaders of their time, mixing their laws with political leaders of their time, forcing them to crucify Jesus or get or persecuted the Christians. So I'm going to read something from the book, from the history. There was a historian named I thought it was Josephus, but I when I go back to the book, it was Eusebius. Eusebius. John five, six through eight. Came by. Oh, this oh that's what it is. First John. Yeah. It's the one that's a forgery. Okay, so it says in 1 John 5, 6 through 8, He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit that your... Witness, because the Spirit is true, for there are three that bear witness and record in heaven the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. And I want, and there are three that bear witness on the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And history agree and want these verses containing, do not appear... In any early manuscripts, you cannot—let me read it. It's on my computer, and it doesn't look right. Well, I'm going to take the time to teach the Word, teach it right. It's in First John. And I hope I got the— uh, Right, First John, I'm old school. I'm actually holding a book called the Bible. <laughs> do people still do that? <coughs> Who is he that overcomes something? This is he that came by water and blood. I'm in verse 5, 6. This is he, chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5. We'll start with, I like verse four. (laughs) For whatsoever, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I love that. Okay, now, verse five, this is where we start getting into kind of uh, murky water. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the son of God. Wait a minute. It doesn't say that Jesus is God. It says he's the son of God. Oh, but they call him God the son. Okay. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And is the spirit that beareth witness Because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Okay, that's a forgery couple of those verses. A couple on top are okay, a couple, at one at the end. But they stuck that Trinitarian formula in there. And most theologians agree with that. It's a plain forgery. It was really late in history. So, they come running at you, those Trinitarians. Well, what about this verse? That's a forgery, sir. That's not in the manuscript original. You gotta know people. You just gotta know the word, and they will get their dandruff up. I, they get uh, very angry. I'm surprised we don't get a we don't get a lot of uh, trolls. <laughs> On our Trinitarian website, anti Trinitarian website, Tyranny of the Trinity. That's how I met Robbie. I said, Robbie, I got this business site, (laughs) and all they do is click like, and I can't engage with them. I want it to be a person site. (laughs) And he did a good job. He turned a 22,000 people list, (coughs) 40,000 on there now. I don't know. That's great. All around the world, people who don't believe in the Trinity chime in. A lot, there's a lot in the Philippines, South Korea. Look, all of China doesn't <laughs> believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in God either. So First John has not yet occurred by the 4th century prom- uh, promoters of the Trinitarian turned Trinitarian and inheritance her- 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 of—I oh, can't read my own writing. What do I want to close with? So they insert in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost in place of the original in my name. That's simply what he said. Go and teach and baptize them in my name. Because isn't that what he says in the other gospels and chapters? This must have been what happened because earlier manuscripts, which used to be, uh, yeah, I said Josephus, it's it used to be us, used to be who died in and uh, quoted his early part of the fourth century could not have used the Trinitarian word. He cited Matthew twenty-eight. Times without once using them, rather the disciples. Anyway, used to be quoted from that chapter, twenty-eight times, and never used that verse. That's a historian. Emperor Constantine uh, had to make fifty copies of the New Testament. None can be found today, most likely have been amended, mutilating, lost, or destroyed. The 18 times that used to be is quoted the passage correctly or found his writings prior to the Council of Nicaea when the subject of the person of Christ was right to the head and after the council used to be a close at three times. Using the Trinitarian formula, which shows the political and religious impact, the Nicene Council. So beware of these so-called revised editions, modern editions, etc. They're all predators. The worst of all the versions is the NIV, and it's probably the most popular. People give them for gifts all the time, the NIV, new international version. Is the most sickening Trinitarian Bible I've ever seen. Just throw that one in the trash. You know, play basketball with it or something. I love you. God bless. It's that time. Uh, I'll put a song at the end for your entertainment. I'm going to look and see how many people. Where are you? I wanted to talk to my family in the chat room. Oh, we got a good family here. Let me look at my, uh, where you guys are, see if I can get down here. Yes, Michael, I'm blessed to have you as our mystic guide. Thank you, sweet Ketu. Thank you. I love you. I wish I could write it in there. You hear me. She she loves music, too. She's here Saturdays. So, what's a good time of year to come to India? I want to do it sometime. Walk across the Ganges with me. (laughs) I love you. This is Mystic Guide chiming out at the top of the hour from Enlightenment Radio. God bless every one of you. Keep you safe in the hands of God and his son, Jesus Christ.
0: uh